Welcome to another podcast from the Oxford International Centre for Publishing Studies. Today's talk was recorded on Tuesday, November 6th, 2012. The talk is given by Matt Kibble, who is the digital publisher at Bloomsbury Publishing. The talk is introduced by Chris Fowler, the publishing subject librarian at Oxford Brookes University. Well, I'm delighted to um, introduce Matt to you. Um, I first met Matt, we think, in 2008, uh, when, um, as a representative of ProQuest, where he had, has worked for 12 years, although he's not there anymore. He's, he started at Bloomsbury yesterday. Um, ProQuest were brilliant at um, sponsoring some of the Art Library Society events, and that's something that I'm very involved with. So Matt came along to the 2008 conference we had in Liverpool and he just um, reminded me that he and his um, colleague from ProQuest won the um, pub quiz uh, or something <laughs> in the <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool. So I have very good credentials, as you can see. Um, and then I also remember that a 2009 conference um, in Cambridge where we decided that he should do his launch outdoors, but unfortunately it was very, very windy, so his banner kept blowing over and people had to hold it up. Uh, and he still came back for more and kept sponsoring the, the Arliss conference, which was fantastic. Um, Matt started out, he did a, a PhD in English literature, uh, and he taught for a while at the University of North London, and um, then he's, he was telling me he's kind of um, had a summer job at uh, Tabrick Healy while he was trying to find academic work and then kind of got into publishing that way and progress. I'm not going to tell you um, all his different job titles because in part that is the theme of his, his talk but when he left ProQuest he was the senior um, product manager for Arts and Humanities which is obviously um, why he was involved with arts events but I'm going to hand you over to Matt now. Thanks very much. Yes, thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for inviting me, and thank you all for coming. Um, so I'm, um, yeah. So it's a slightly, I mean, a slightly un uh, unusual position in that, as Chris said, when she invited me, I was, uh, I was working for ProQuest, where I'd been for, uh, for twelve years. Uh, but I've just started a new job as of yesterday uh, as digital publisher at, at Bloomsbury Academic. So, so that means that anything that uh, that I say about ProQuest obviously has to be taken with a huge disclaimer, because I don't represent them anymore, and uh, my my views may not necessarily be those of of, uh, of progress. Uh, and similarly, anything that I say about Bloomsbury should be probably be taken with an even bigger disclaimer <laughs> that I've only I'm a complete newbie and uh, and have only just uh, uh, have only just started there. So um, so I might not, might not be able to give you uh, you know massive insights into their into their uh, operation as a whole. Uh, however, one thing I do know a lot about uh, at the moment is uh, is 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 uh, job descriptions because I spent a lot of this year applying for jobs. Uh, and uh, having job interviews and so on, and so uh, so I spent a lot of time looking at my CV and deciding what it is that I do, and looking at job descriptions at other companies and seeing how that relates to what I do, uh, and uh, and kind of reflecting reflecting on that. So so that's the kind of the main theme uh, of my talk today is really kind of working out what it is that I do and that and that people like me do. And the reason for the for the title is that. Um, as, as Chris was saying, I've had a number of different um, job uh, job titles and uh, uh, job descriptions, and some of the jobs that I was looking at that were advertised all had uh, different uh, different job titles. But there are basically there, there's a kind of there's a role which is might be called digital publisher, might be called product manager, um, which is um, at, at a number of different companies which produce online 
uh, online products, online collections, and uh, and I'll be talking about and 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 really that's quite different. Uh, every different company it will be organised slightly differently, but I'll be talking about uh, the kind of um, the kind of role, the sort of um, responsibilities that are involved in a role like that, and the sort of different uh, flavours of uh, of that role that are that are kind of out there uh, at, at at various different organisations. And and this is just to give us kind of context of the kind of companies I'm talking about. Um, these these are probably most of these are probably not what you would think of as as publishers, as uh, strictly as as publishing companies. Some of them obviously are like Oxford University Press, obviously very well known publisher. Um, publish a lot of print books and I have a very substantial uh, online um, uh, sort of uh, yeah, online publishing arm that's been going for a very long time. Uh, some of these others also have grown out of uh, print publishing companies, but a lot of them haven't at all. A lot of them have come from very quite from really quite different um, uh, different backgrounds, and they they purely do online publishing. They purely publish online collections, electronic resources for uh, for libraries. So places, people like ProQuest, which is where I used to work, and EBSCO and Gale, Cengage Learning, um, they do a lot of um, uh, sort of academic resources where they do things like um, uh, doing aggregated journal databases. So you'll do a search for, uh, so, so you know, students, uh, pe people within libraries can go and search for uh, across thousands of different journal titles and newspaper titles to find particular articles. Uh, people like JSTOR, who uh, aggregate um, uh, digitized journals and back files of journals from a whole, which were originally published by a whole range of different different publishers, uh, and and so 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 part of this, uh, so you know, a lot of these companies you might call them aggregators. That's the term that's often used for people like ProQuest and EBSCO, or uh, but then there's other com other companies like Google, uh, who obviously um, do very uh, have a very similar role in some ways with projects like Google Books. Where they've gone into libraries and just digitised masses and masses of uh, of of, uh, of books and made them searchable, and things like Google Scholar, where they've they've captured information about uh, scholarly publications uh, for people to search uh, and and find content. Um, so so you know what and, and, and then there's also um, I've I've at uh, ProQuest I've worked in arts and humanities publishing and we do a lot of kind of uh, historical. Uh, primary source collections. So a lot of what we do, a lot of what I did was was catering for arts and humanities subjects. But there's also, of course, a very very large uh, uh, business um, catering for things like uh, business studies uh, with uh, products like Factiva um, uh, for health and medicine with companies like uh, Volta's Kluver, Ovid, Springer, and so on. Uh, and uh, and but then there's also some of these other other companies. I don't know if you've heard of Adam Matthew Digital. They they recently they're actually they're based in Wiltshire, uh, somewhere I think. But they, they recently got bought by Sage Education, and they and and they're a sort of uh, small publisher a small publisher that digitise collections of historical documents. Like they they just digitised the the mass observation archive that's held at um, Sussex University. Um, and uh, uh, Alexander Street Press is an American company that has an office in uh, in the UK as well, which also um, digitizes collections of literary works and uh, has has kind of video collections, uh, collections of um, uh, um, sort of uh, television programs or kind of primary source uh, content um, in in video. And also companies like uh, Redex and ProQuest and Gale. Um, 
what the, they've they, uh, something they have in common is that they have a background in uh, in microfilm publishing, which is something that has a very long long history. Uh, something you know, libraries for for decades have have uh, have uh, bought microfilm of things like uh, newspapers and dissertations uh, and things like that. So and and so one of the uh, so, so the reason why a lot of those companies are now quite uh, uh, have a large presence in the online world is because they had all this microfilm content which they were able to digitize and uh, and uh, turn into into online resources so so what so I guess um, so I've, I've titled this problems of terminology because there's no there's no real one word to describe all of these companies they're not all publishing companies they're not all um, aggregators ProQuest even has had had a kind of I think always had a kind of identity crisis. You know, some some people within the organisation called it a publishing company, some called it a technology company or an information company. Um, so you know, there was never there, there's never really a clear idea of what exactly these companies are. So those are possible different names for them: publishers, information companies, aggregators. The things that they all have in common is that they produce collections of online content for academic use in the library market. And so when I say the library market, these are, these are collections which are generally um, created to be sold to libraries. So the library pays an annual subscription or they pay a one-off purchase and then ev everybody within that, that institution gets, gets access, which is free at the point of use, uh, to that content. Uh, and, it's and, and, the, and the companies that I'm talking about um, are catering for academic research, so they're catering for use by undergraduates or, or, or researchers. Uh, some of them also cater for, uh, for other kinds of institutions like business or, or schools in particular or, or English language teaching, uh, but that, that's kind of slightly beyond my, my, my area of, of, of expertise, so I'm mainly looking at things, that, um, things relating to sort of higher education use and uh, research libraries uh, and, that, and that sort of context. So the kind of kind of products that they produce, as I've, I've mentioned some of already, uh, things like aggregations of um, journals and newspapers, uh, abstracting and indexing, which is um, something that many of those um, does everybody know what that means? Abstracting and indexing, roughly. Uh, it's okay. So um, <laughs> so th there would I mean that that can range from. Um, uh, a very small uh, operation where you have one person who, or, you know, one or two people who uh, cover a particular subject area, say it's architecture or design or something, and they they um, collate in the information about everything that's been published in that field. So you can then do a search for articles about a particular ar architect, and they have indexed the contents of all the relevant uh, journals which might have articles about that person. So you can then find them and go off and read the article. Uh, so that's so it can be quite a small niche subject focused area, or it can be a kind of massive industrial process. Basically, there, there are, uh, companies like ProQuest and uh, Thomson Reuters, uh, with with things like Web of Science and and Google with 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 Google Scholar, they basically harvest the information of what's what's published in uh, thousands of different journals and uh, academic monographs, uh, so that people can just search and find and find. Uh, particular articles or articles um, uh, on a on on a particular theme, and the way a lot of these companies have grown, companies like ProQuest and EBSCO, is by uh, marrying up the abstracting and indexing with the the full text current journals. So you can search, uh, find find articles that have been indexed as being about a particular architect for the sake of uh, sake of argument, and then go through and read the actual full text as well. Uh, as I said, they've also uh, another area that a lot of these um, companies work in is digitizing 
historical sources like historical newspapers. Uh, ProQuest digitized the, the New York Times and The Guardian and The Times of India. Uh, Gail Sengage also digitized uh, The Times and The Sunday Times, and they've just done National Geographic. Uh, I worked on the digitization of the Vogue archive uh, when I worked at ProQuest, which is the whole of uh, American Vogue uh, magazine back to, back to the first issue. And there's all kinds of other primary sources, basically any, anything which, which um, <coughs> people within academic institutions and libraries might want to, to study as, as, as historical sources. Uh, these are the kinds of things which, which these companies will be looking to digitize. Uh, so that could be books. Um, one of ProQuest's most successful products was something called Early English Books Online, or, or, or EBO. Does anybody, anybody come across that? Yeah. Possibly not. Yeah, but um, so that's that. Um, that's something which grew out of a microfilm, uh, a microfilm collection where basically um, one of ProQuest's predecessor companies had uh, had 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 gone round to dozens of different libraries and aimed to microfilm every book printed in England up to the year 1700, right? And so then those were all put online. And so now, now anybody who works in uh, 17th century history or literature or, uh, you know, Renaissance studies uh, now consults that all the time because it's got effectively all of the primary sources that they might need uh, for their work. Um, and, and then there's other kinds of historical collections. Um, uh, Bloomsbury, where, where I work now, they've just they've just released uh, the Churchill archive. So they, they digitised uh, Chir uh, Winston Churchill's uh, personal papers. So that's full of um, you know letters and correspondence and uh, uh, newspaper clippings and all kinds of um, uh, archival material. And also things like official publications. Um, ProQuest digitised the House of Commons parliamentary papers. Um, the other company I was talking about, Alexander Street Press. Uh, have a lot of collections of things like opera in video, dance in video. So these these are kind of primary source materials. You know, if you're studying uh, arts subjects, then the primary sources you you'll want to look at will be video of of dance productions or, or or opera productions. And so they bring those together into a kind of curated collection and then um, uh, sell those to libraries. Uh, and there's also kind of reference content, things like uh, Oxford Reference Online. Obviously, Oxford had this, had this amazing. Uh, publishing arm, uh, publishing very authoritative reference works uh, for, for all kinds of different subject areas, and so they brought that all together into a uh, into an online resource that that, um, that hundreds of libraries subscribe to. Uh, and then there's more kind of introductory material for for undergraduates as well as kind of student guides, uh, author biographies, uh, that kind of thing. And some of the people on that slide that I mentioned, people like Oxford University Press, of course. Uh, have their own content, their own monographs and journals, which they which they digitise or that they have in electronic form, and so they they bundle those together into 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 collections. And there's also other kinds of that, and these companies also produce other kinds of tools and and services, um, things like um, things like uh, tools which libraries can use to 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 allow people to cross search all of their content or to link between uh, different resources. Um, so, so um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, some of, uh, I think it's interesting to look at the history of some of these companies. Uh, as I said, most of them don't have a print, pub don't come from a print publishing background, or some of them might have absorbed print publishers on the way, uh, or whatever. 
uh, but some of them have, have, have quite different histories. Uh, ProQuest is an interesting example. As I, as I mentioned, it's the, the oldest part <laughs> of the company is something called uh, UMI, University Microfilms, which was founded by this man, uh, Eugene Power, in the 1930s. And he was a pioneer in the creation of, of, in, of, of microfilming technology, of actually ca you know, capturing uh, things like newspapers and dissertations and rare books uh, on microfilm as a means of preserving them and allowing people at other libraries to, to consult uh, facsimile versions of them. Uh, so that so that's quite you know it's quite an old history for uh, for you know for a kind of an online uh, publishing company. Um, UMI then became part of a company called Bell and Howell, and uh, Bell and Howell. I, I mean, I I was always quite sad that ProQuest lost the name Bell and Howell, and they changed the company name from Bell and Howell to ProQuest because Bell and Howell used to actually make things. They used to they, they used to make um, uh, 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 movie cameras. They you know they they actually won an Oscar. Um, they, uh, you know, Hitchcock used to use Bell and Howell cameras, and uh, I think that particular camera is possibly the same model that um, what's his name, Ab Abraham Zapruder, used when filming the the assassination of JFK. You know, he was he had a little handheld movie camera, and that was a Bell and Howell camera. So, so it's it's interesting that 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 um, so uh, they they went from you know making microfilm cameras to making uh, being part of a company that also made film cameras. And, and as a result of that, they then moved into, because they had all this, this content that libraries use, they then started putting them online, or, or first of all, putting them onto, well, from, from microfilm and microfiche, then onto CD-ROMs, and then from CD-ROMs, putting those, putting those online in the sort of throughout the 1990s. And ProQuest came about because of a merger between Bell and Howell and Chadwick Healy. That's um, Sir Charles Chadwick Healy, who founded uh, a similar company in, in the early 1970s, which produced uh, microfilm and microfiche, and did things like um, microfilming um, census, uh, the, the, the you know, sort of historical census reports and official publications, and then also did something called the English Poetry Full Text Database, which was this massive collection of um, of, of uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of poems that was that was published on CD-ROM uh, in the in the early 1990s, and so they they merged in around 1999 to form the company that became that became ProQuest. So I worked for the part of the company that was that was originally Chadwick Keeley. That's in the Cambridge. That's uh, the, it's still the Cambridge office of of ProQuest. Um, employs about 120, 150 people, and um, and 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 that's still with, within ProQuest. That's still the part of the company that has a focus on more specialist uh, arts and humanities resources, as opposed to the kind of aggregation part of the business and the dissertations and the sort of science and uh, business studies areas. Uh, there's also uh, ProQuest also recently acquired a company called Dialog, which was actually goes back to the to the very kind of origins of online databases. It was, I think, it's, Dialog was was one of the first um, uh, organisations to actually um, turn things like um, journal publications into into a database and allow them to be remotely searched. It was it was before before the internet. This was in the 1960s, but people could query it through kind of telephone connections and. Uh, so and, and it's now a very and, and, and it's now it's not really um, uh, it's not really an academic um, product. This is it's uh, it's a source of information that's used by um, that's used in the corporate market. Things like pharmaceutical companies who want to search uh, thousands of records of uh, medical journal articles and other kind of information sources. Uh, so that that's all now part of one huge company. And and in fact, ProQuest and and EBSCO are, are two companies that have just grown massively over the years by acquiring 
gradually kind of swallowing up other other businesses in in the <laughs> same space, and there are these two kind of massive companies that 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 sort of uh, dominate uh, that whole that whole space. Uh, so this is um, my my background, uh, the kind of products that I worked on at at ProQuest. So as I said, I always worked in the arts and humanities. Um, one thing I worked on was the the African Writers series. So that's a collection of collection of literary texts, and um, that was a um, a print series that was published by Heinemann uh, Education, which was actually still which was still based in Oxford at the time. I think it was then. I'm not sure what happened to it. Actually, it closed down and got bought by some other by some other corporation. I think. Uh, so they, they they published this historic series of of African literature, and so we. Um, we worked with them to uh, to identify all of those texts and find the rights holders and and put all of those texts online into a uh, into a single collection. I also worked on a much larger project called uh, Literature Online or Lion, which is a, a resource for, uh, for for literary studies. It has a massive collection of um, primary works, um, poetry, prose, drama, and also then journal articles and author biographies and. Uh, video video of poets reading their work, so it's a kind of portal product for uh, uh, for uh, for literary studies. Uh, and then some of the, these are some things I worked on more recently. Um, the International Bibliography of Art is an abstracting and indexing um, service. So this is something where we have specialist editors who are um, looking we uh, looking at um, sorry going uh, going through current publications in the world of history of art, whether it's journals or magazines or kind of art news publications and uh, and yeah and uh, indexing all of the contents of those and writing abstracts about every article so that you can do a search and find um, articles about particular artists or exhibitions or uh, art movements uh, I also I, then I worked on um, the Vogue archive which was um, quite a, a massive project to uh, digitize the whole of uh, American Vogue magazine and this is uh, this was an interesting um, uh, Example for all kinds of reasons. Uh, I w uh, we worked with with Condé Nast on this, who are the, the publishers of of uh, Vogue magazine, and and they and, and so we worked with them on the the, uh, the digitization, and um, they uh, th uh, thanks to them there was a lot more um, uh, kind of advanced search and and indexing uh, features than than in than in a lot of our other products. Uh, they actually had specialist editors looking at every. Uh, uh, looking at every image and and indexing them by uh, the name of the model, the name of the photographer, the types of garments that were in there. So you could search for uh, Kate Moss wearing a Alexander McQueen taffeta uh, gym slip, or you know whatever it might be. Um, and uh, I forgot this is being recorded. <laughs> Maybe I should have chosen a more sensible example. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that has so that had you know very high resolution images and. Uh, all this uh, specialist indexing, uh, and then I, I also the last thing I worked on was the Entertainment Industry Magazine archive, where we um, where th th this was a this was a collection of historical archives of of magazines of things like Variety and Billboard, <coughs> and uh, the NME, and uh, uh, sort of so so magazines relating to to film studies and music studies and theatre and sort of popular entertainment. Uh, so so the part part of the part of the work of that was. Um, deciding which, which magazine should be should be um, should be included in such a collection and kind of framing it as a as a coherent collection which appealed to to certain kind of well-defined um, uh, subject areas 
uh, and uh, so talking to academics and librarians who worked in media studies and communication studies and film studies to, to, to find out what the most important historical sources uh, for them were and then thinking about how that data should be should be captured and what the most useful way of presenting it to uh, to users was so and, and so this is uh, the context that I've moved to now this is uh, these are some of the things that the Bloomsbury uh, academic has produced recently so Bloomsbury of course is a um, is a print publisher um, they established their name as a, as a as a trade publisher they obviously published uh, the Harry Potter books uh, and then more recently they've uh, they've developed a much larger academic publishing arm uh, they've acquired uh, an, a number of other publishers people like Berg and Continuum uh, and um, uh, the Methuen Drama um, uh, uh, imprint uh, and uh, various other publishers. So they're, they're, they're now a much larger company and they've also started investing in, in digital products. So doing, doing much the same, uh, doing sort of very similar kinds of products to the kinds of things that I worked on at ProQuest. Uh, so these are um, collections that have been put together for the academic market, uh, focusing on specific uh, subject areas. Uh, and so this, uh, the, the first one they produced was the Berg Fashion Library. Um, which is a uh, a collection of um, kind of reference material relating to the history of dress and fashion, uh, and which also has a lot of uh, image content in it as well. Um, and then there's uh, the Churchill Archive, which is, as I mentioned, has just gone live, which is a um, has something like a million documents from uh, Winston Churchill's personal archives. And the next thing in the pipeline is uh, a drama online, which is a, um, a collaboration with Faber and Faber publishing so it's going to include um, digitized versions of uh, drama texts published by Methuen and and Faber uh, with with a lot of with some some extra um, extra material in there as well so so as I so as I, I started by saying that um, it's very hard to define the, these companies and and say what it is that uh, you know what it is that they're actually called but it's also quite hard to define the job of um, uh, the people who uh, uh, people like me who are responsible for developing those products and managing those projects, and this, this is something. This is a, a, a true a true story uh, of something which um, which I uh, saw happen earlier this year. There was a job there was a job that was advertised. It was actually it was one of the companies who I had on my slide earlier. They advertised a job for senior editor for humanities, and and this is a and this is a company that purely does online publishing. And because of the job title, the, the people that applied for the jobs were mainly had a kind of print publishing background, and they, because of the name editor, they uh, they had people who'd who'd worked on copy editing and manuscript preparation and so on, which was not really relevant to the to the job of uh, developing databases. So they actually re, re advertised the job. I don't think they changed the job description; they just changed the title, and they called it senior product manager for, human for humanities. And, and product manager is a term which has really come from the kind of software uh, technology industry. Um, a product manager typically would be somebody who is responsible for a product like a new version of the iPod or an in-flight entertainment system or a, or a kind of um, a hospital uh, patient management software uh, database or something. And so they had people who'd come from that kind of uh, you know, enterprise software um, uh, you know, or, or had a more technical background uh, who, who applied for the job, 
but I didn't really know the subject area very well. I didn't didn't have that kind of context of libraries and 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 academic publishing. So they then re-advertised the job again as senior editorial product manager for humanities, <laughs> and that time, and then finally they actually got got people. And, and and it's funny, I actually had I heard almost exactly the same story from another publisher recently as well, where they they'd advertised the same job and and they'd had to change the job title to make it slightly more technical to get uh, to get the right people. So I think that that illustrates really well that this is really quite a hybrid job. It combines elements of uh, academic commissioning editor sort of role. And, and certain companies, um, I, I mean, when I started at ProQuest, because it was the Chadwick Healy part of the organization kind of saw itself very much as a, uh, as a publisher and liked to use terminology like, like editor and uh, publisher and so on. Uh, and then that kind of gradually changed. Um, uh, while, while I was working there, my job title changed to, to product, senior product manager instead. And so you get uh, these, these, there's a whole kind of uh, network of different names here. Uh, so the, the, there are job titles that, that are kind of closer to traditional sort of um, uh, publishing roles, so where you would have a publisher, and then the more junior versions of that role might be a development manager or development editor uh, or, uh, or, or producer, which I think is quite a it's kind of, kind of um, so you know, editorial digital producer uh, is another thing which I saw advertised recently. And, and yeah, I think producer kind of is, is, has quite an interesting... Um, Interesting way of looking at it in the way that you have a, a film or a pr theatre production has a uh, has a producer who has kind of overall responsibility um, uh, for the uh, for a project, uh, and then there's these kind of slightly more technical sounding roles like product manager, digital development manager, uh, product specialist, uh, and then there's other ones which sound a bit more kind of businessy and marketingy. Uh, product marketing manager, which is probably a slightly different role. It probably has a bit less to do with the actual development of the product and more to do with the, the kind of positioning and selling of the product. Uh, but things like product strategist, business development manager, they're all, they all kind of overlap to a large extent with the role of a digital publisher or, or product manager. Um, so, um, so the, yeah, so as I said, the, the term product manager is something which kind of came into favor while, during the time while I was working at ProQuest. And in fact, we all went on a, uh, on a training course uh, to learn what it meant to be a product manager. And this, this is one of the, uh, th this is a company called Pragmatic Marketing, who again, I don't represent, I can't uh, uh, speak on their behalf, but we, yeah, we went through, through, uh, through, through training in uh, their view of what it means to be a product manager. And it was actually, was actually very positive, very um, incredibly helpful um, in, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but as you can see, they, they, their strap line is all about marketing technology products. So it's very much, it comes from that sort of software um, technology background and it uses a lot of terminology that academic publishers would never use but uh, for, for what we were doing it was quite helpful for kind of uh, formulating how you uh, how you frame uh, you know how you develop um, successful products so I won't, I won't talk through all of this grid this is basically what they say is all the, the different parts of the job so it ranges from strategic on one side to tactical on the other the, the roles down here are more technical and the ones up here are more kind of business related and to do with, to do with knowing the market. And it kind of goes through uh, the sort of life cycle of a, of a product in some ways. So you start off, a product manager has to, has to know the market, has to identify market problems. So you have to go out and, and talk to the market, which means librarians and academics if you're in, a, if, if you're in the kind of business that we're in, but, but could be anybody who might use your products. Uh, if you're if you're in a kind of consumer business or something else, 
uh, and you have to understand the competitive landscape and look for gaps in the market uh, and and see problems that are looking for that are looking for a solution which your company is in a position to to uh, to address uh, and then there's things like uh, strategy involves things like market definition so so for something like uh, when I was working on the Vogue archive I would define the, the addressable market for that product as being perhaps all the fashion schools within you know all the fashion schools um, globally uh, plus some other um, and then plus perhaps a smaller percentage of other research universities that will be interested in in Vogue for its kind of historical and uh, social um, sort of interest as well uh, and then you're looking at um, so the next column is all about business so part of the roles there would then be once you've defined the product um, that you that you think you're going to do you then have to kind of assess the feasibility of it so say you're looking at a project to um, you know there's a kind of an opportunity that's come up to um, digitize let's say some exhibition catalogs that you think would be perfect for the for the for the art library market uh, you would then have to try and work out well, what, how much work would be involved in doing that digitization, how many would you need to make a viable product uh, that would give the coverage that the users would need, how expensive will that be, uh, is that something that we can do in-house or is that something that we would need to outsource or would we, is there somebody else who's already doing that that we could do a partnership with um, and will it, uh, you know, you have to kind of, do, and, and how much could you price it for and then, and how many units would you sell? And then, as a result of that, put together a kind of profitability uh, uh, projection. So, so part of the role of the product manager is putting together that business plan and and uh, basically, uh, go, you know, putting together a five-year projection of what sale of how many sales you would get, uh, how much, w what your production costs would be, what your royalties would be, and what the what the kind of profit line would be. Uh, so, so once. If, if you've done all that and decided that this is going to be a successful project that it's worth pursuing with, uh, then the, the planning of the product in, and then involves the kind of key areas here are things like requirements. So um, basically itemizing all of the requirements for a product means um, uh, you talk, basically sort of itemizing all of the work that needs to be done, all of the, uh, the specific different, if, if it's a database, the different kind of features that you need uh, within that database. So for something like the Vogue archive, you know, we needed the images to be searchable. You needed to have a field for searching for names of models and types of garments. And then that needed to, to appear as a, as a, after you did your search, that should appear in a kind of list of filters on the right hand side. And when you, when you click on that, you can then limit it down to a particular designer or a particular, um, particular model or whatever the case may be. So, so this is kind of so that's that's part of the part of the role of the product manager as well is is as well as knowing the market is also then understanding how users are going to use that resource and uh, what kind of features and functionality that they need uh, in order to do that. Uh, and then these things further down the end are more to do with kind of supporting um, the sales process. So um, working with the marketing department to produce collateral and sales tools, things like brochures. Uh, so, so within the company, the product manager will be, will be the expert on that particular product. And so that'll be basically all of the questions that come in from customers and from salespeople will come back to, uh, to the product manager, which is probably a similar kind of role to, a, to you know, an editorial role within a, within a publishing company. Uh, and so they will, um, the, yeah, the product manager has to, will, will often provide the, you know, the blurb, the, the, the sort of positioning, the, the um, and, and also in terms of 
and, and also kind of educating the sales team and sort of boiling down what the selling points of that particular um, uh, product are into you know two or three bullet points that could be easily easily digested um, and then support things like uh, uh, demonstrations going out demonstrating the product uh, to customers or to sales teams or uh, distributors or, or, or whoever it might be so so as I said this was you know it looks like there, there's an awful lot of kind of uh, jargon uh, um, you know here and it, it all seems very kind of um, it, it perhaps seem, uh, some of it might seem quite alien to the uh, to publishing uh, as uh, as you might understand it, but for but for us, I think we we found it quite um, uh, you know quite useful for uh, for for yeah defining uh, defining online products. But the, but it did leave um, it, it did kind of because of the sort of hybrid role of being somewhere between product management and and publishing. Uh, we felt that there there were kind of certain certain gaps that it didn't take into account. So, for example, you know, a lot of my job didn't fall into any of those boxes. So, at at, at the particular time when I was doing that, um, you know, I might have been working on something like the African Writers Series, where a large part of my job was keeping a massive list of all the of all the books published in that <coughs> series, doing bibliographic research to make sure that we'd covered all the uh, all the books, finding the rights holders, finding out who you know who. Um, Doing doing research on each of those authors, uh, and and then or or it might have been um, say for a, for the drama project where uh, for for, for um, drama online which they're working on at Bloomsbury, um, there'll be a lot of work involved in um, deciding you know if if you want the plays to be searchable by uh, by genre and by um, uh, nationality of author and other other kinds of data about the plays, then there's a lot of that kind of research that needs to be done, and and that will fall within the sort of product management uh, sort of remit as well. So so there's a lot of uh, a lot of extra work um, which doesn't fall into any of those categories because of the specialist nature of the content. Um, so um, I'm going to slide me ahead of myself. This is just a kind of summary of. Uh, of how product management is defined by this company, Pragmatic, pragmatic Marketing. Um, uh, they use terms like the CEO of the product. Product manager is the messenger for the market, so it's the person who goes out, listens to the market, and then reports back to the to the people in the building. Uh, they, they 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 like they like all these kind of snappy little uh, catchphrases like uh, the acronym Nihito, which means nothing important happens in the office. So so the role of the product manager should be not sitting in meetings in the office, but out there talking to people uh, and you know listening, uh, and 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 also they actually produce mugs that have this slogan on them: "Your opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant," which is, which is uh, it's kind of something which which you know you can use within if if you're having a discussion within within the organisation with the designer or something who says, "Well, actually, I don't think you need that search box on the on the homepage." You can say, "Well, actually, I've spoken to you know 25." Uh, people who are, you know, people who are actually collection development librarians or something who are willing to pay for this product, who who say you definitely must have that search box there. So, so you know, so so I win, and your opinion is irrelevant. That, that's the kind of th theory behind it. Um, and the role of product manager, again, this sounds incredibly alien to probably to people working in a field like academic publishing, is it to articulate market requirements which solve pervasive and urgent problems that your market is willing to pay for. Um, so yeah, so this doesn't take into account the nature of academic problems. So the kind of problems that the products that I talk about, they, they solve problems uh, um, in a way, but they're not the same kind of problems that, that you know, an iPod solves. 
Uh, if, and, and if you asked um, 25 different academics what the problems were that they faced in their job, you would get 25 different answers, and they would all be about the particular uh, research concerns of that particular academic. There might be, you know, I need to get hold of books about 17th century witchcraft or something, you know, whatever it was that they're, that they're particularly interested in. Um, so, so, yeah, so the, um, yeah, it wouldn't be that, you know, I haven't got room for so all those loads of CDs in my house and I, I need to just be able to, you know, I need to be able to listen to music on a device, which is also my phone. Uh, so, so they're, they're quite different uh, kinds of problems. And, they're, and, and so in order to understand those problems, you need to uh, have some knowledge of the subject area and about how academic research works and how undergraduate study works. Uh, and, and, and about the different requirements between different subjects, the differences of the way that academics work in the humanities compared with, um, with applied arts or with business studies. Uh, those, those will all have uh, kind of different needs associated with them. And, and so, yeah, these are the kinds of um, uh, different contents that I've, that, uh, yeah, that I've worked on or that people in my, my role work on. And so, you know, those have their own kind of, kind of problems with them. Uh, which might for early printed books, it might be problems to do with cataloging or uh, you know author authorship or um, uh, you know sort of complex bibliographic problems, um, which are really nothing to do with that that sort of um, sort of technical side of uh, technical side of product management. They're to do with really quite specific kind of intellectual uh, problems about um, about understanding that that specific content. So yeah, so I think the the kind of um, this is my last slide, and I'm just going to kind of boil down uh, what I what I think the role of um, a w whatever you want to call them academic digital publishing product manager is, um, and uh, and the first the first one is market research. This is there's you probably, these these images are quite small, but there's somebody. Uh, sticking a microphone under somebody's face in the street, uh, we, I, I wouldn't actually do that. But uh, but market, market research does involve. Uh, I, I do talk a lot to librarians and and academics. I kind of attend conferences, um, <coughs> and uh, and you know sort of uh, understand what's going to try to understand what's going on in that subject area. Uh, but, but 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 there's also if you're kind of um, at the beginning of. Um, of, of kind of researching a new project. There, there's all kinds of market research that might need to be done. Um, there could be quantitative market research, deciding you know, how many fashion schools are there in the world uh, and how many of those are likely to, to buy um, uh, the Vogue archive. So, that, so that, that's sort of num number crunching type, type research, as well as then going out and talking to academics and saying, what resources do you use at the moment and how do you use them and, uh, 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 and that kind of thing. And, and then also, if you have sp specific uh, product ideas in mind, just going out and kind of testing them with a focus group or talking to, to, to individual uh, customers about you know which of those would be would be most interesting, and 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 also understanding what else is out there in the market, what uh, what are competitors doing, what uh, what gaps are there um, uh, in 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 uh, in the market, and uh, the second thing that. Um, which is which is really not covered by the by the sort of pragmatic marketing idea of um, uh, product management is to do with because because we're dealing with content uh, in a lot of cases though that content the, the rights are held by somebody else and so you have to uh, find partners to work with uh, negotiate rights uh, get them to, to sign contracts um, 
uh, and so on. And and so this this, this involves you know identifying uh, identifying partners that that might be willing to work with you that have uh, you know if there's particular content that you know would make a great academic product and it's held by a certain library then going and uh, working with that library uh, or with a publisher such as such as Condé Nast and so you know a lot of my job has involved working on working on contracts and kind of negotiating terms of uh, licensing agreements and um, and doing things like 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 um, you know coming up with yeah, we might have some sort of reciprocal uh, partnership where we we digitize the content and then give it back to the publisher or the rights holder for them to use in some other sort of uh, some other kind of context. So, um, so part of my role would be coming up with a proposal um, that makes sense for both uh, that works for both parties, and then also just ma managing the the relationship as it goes on, reporting back to that rights holder about how the product is doing, or or you know. Um, Working through questions that they might have. Uh, the next stage, the next stage is, is the business plan. That's, that's a very small picture of uh, the BBC program, uh, the Dragon's Den, uh, because there is there is a kind of moment in which you have uh, you often have to go go in front of the executive board and say, you know, I need half a million dollars to digitise this uh, this uh, collection of magazines, but I promise you that it will it will deliver three million dollars over the next five years or whatever it might be. So. Um, and they, they, um, they give you all very quizzical looks and say, I'm out, or, um, or <laughs> yes, you can. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's quite a large part of the role, is um, defining the product, doing all that kind of financial part of it, working on cost estimates, uh, working, uh, working out what sort of um, uh, the specifications of the uh, of, of the product will be pricing strategy, the sort of five year sales forecasts, and and you know that I mean one of one of the good things about about the role is that you get to work with almost every other department within within the company um, b b because of things like that. So if you to get the cost estimates, you have to talk to the to the sort of production people to get the um, sales forecast. You have to talk to the sales managers and the sort of marketing people or distributors or or, uh, or 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 whoever it might be. So you actually you kind of get to see all sides of the business. Um, the next stage is the is the requirements. Um, so it's the the you know the architecture of the uh, of the product. Um, so as I said, working out the specifications. Uh, the kind of features that are needed, and then working quite closely with the production team as the whole thing is 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 built, and so and uh, yeah, and this is one area where it's really quite often, you know quite different from the role of say a commissioning editor who might work on you know dozens of books throughout um, throughout a uh, throughout a year, but uh, you know a product manager might work on one or two projects throughout a year because they're kind of big. Um, Digital project, which might take a year to to go from from kind of the requirements phase through to actually launching, digitizing the content, or uh, you know building the software application, uh, can be quite quite a kind of complex uh, project. So so there'll be a, there'll be a long period of working with software developers and uh, web designers and content managers, uh, and and kind of, and so part of the role is is really learning to to speak their language as much as you need to as well. Which is you know I, I had no technical background when I when I came into this job. Um, I I had a you know had a my my knowledge was in the was in the the sort of subject area. You know I worked on literature products uh, to begin with, so my background in literary studies was um, was was helpful there. And the rest of it I I kind of learnt on the job really. Um, so um, yeah, so then and and then. From uh, yeah, so from working on the 
working on the requirements, you then also have to work on the work with the perhaps work with the marketing team on the launching, you know, the timing of the launch, and if there's some kind of launch event um, uh, around that, and also deciding whether a product is ready for launch, and and that might involve some quite difficult decisions about saying, well, if we don't launch before the end of the academic year, we'll miss out on, uh, you know, we won't hit our, our targets for this year, and even though it's not quite ready, we might have to launch it anyway, and uh, promise customers that uh, we'll do another release in three or four months that fixes all the all the problems that we know about. So you know, there's, it, it involves those those kind of uh, decisions, which obviously you can't do when you're when you're publishing a book, but um, but you can do when you're publishing uh, uh, something that's online. Uh, and then yeah, the last role is being being product champion. That's um, yeah, uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, Holding up, holding up his his, uh, his his iPhone at some conference or other. So that's 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 also part of the role is is being the person who who stands up there and uh, demonstrates the product and says and kind of articulates what the selling points of it are and uh, and um, yeah gives them gives out the the sort of uh, message explaining explaining what the product is and how wonderful it is and why everybody should buy it.